Well, Greg's going to bring the word this morning, so come on up, Greg, and we're excited about what God's going to say today. Well, Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for for your word, Lord God. Father, I thank you for your presence here this morning, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I just thank you that as, as the Word of God goes out and goes forth this morning, it will accomplish what He has said it to do in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. All right. Most of the scriptures I will come up on the overhead, I hope. Never know. I found out I added four verses to Deuteronomy 30 today. I always kind of have a problem with getting the verses up there right. But anyway, it's my fault. This morning I was kind of going over what God had given me to speak on this morning. And he began to remind me of a scripture that I don't I don't have on the overhead, but we probably all know it. In Third John, uh, chapter one, verse two, it says, "Brethren, I hope in all things I hope that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers." I went for years wondering what soul prosperity was. Because I want to prosper and be in hell. You know, God wants us to prosper. God wants us to be in hell. And so what is so prosperity? We need to know that. And so, you know, God wants us to prosper, but I think our prosperity is a product of our relationship with him. Amen. Now, how, how much of God do we want? And then one of the products of that is we begin to prosper on every, on every hand. So we're going to talk a little bit this morning about soul, about your soul, about soul prosperity. You know, in America, we're taught to really, really be impressed with these guys who started from nothing and became wealthy, pulled themselves up by their own bootstrap. That's not what God wants. God wants us to depend on him. Our strength should be in him. But sometimes whenever we get, when we go through this, we operate mostly out of the soul, and that's not God's plan. Amen. The soul was what we operated out of before we were born again. And so the soul needs to be uh, subjected to the spirit and put in the proper sp- place. I think that is a lot of my problems in life is because I haven't allowed uh, the Holy Spirit to work into my soul in and, and that it wouldn't dominate my life like it does. So we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. So I'm going to look back at Edie every now and then. I, I was thinking this morning, my mom used to tell my dad whenever dad retired. She said, I can't hear you, you mumble. And he says, I don't mumble. I don't mumble. <laughs> I do mumble. So I look back every now and then, you just tell me, okay? Okay. 
There you go. Go. All right. We're going to be looking a lot in the Old Testament today. You know, there's some people say, you know, the Old Testament isn't relevant because, you know, we live in a new covenant. Well, the Old Testament is relevant. You know, Paul said the law is good because it pointed us towards Christ. Because we realize that we can't keep the law. And the law is good. But in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, the truths are the same. The truth of God's love for us is the same as it was. The truth of God's mercy and God's grace. Now, sometimes it's hard to find God's grace in the Old Testament, but he always gives people a choice. You know, he always said, you do this, you do this. And God has given us choices too. But there's a, uh, there's a parallel between the children of Israel leaving Egypt and going to the promised land to our walk with Jesus. There's a parallel there. Uh, you know, our walk with Jesus should be it's from, the, from our salvation to the grave as we walk with Jesus in this body. The Jews were enslaved by, uh, by the rulers of Egypt. Egypt is like the world. We were enslaved to the world, but no longer when we come to Jesus. We were in bondage. The Jews were in bondage to Egypt. We were in bondage to sin in the world. We were under Satan, the king of this world, who would explore us to hurt to to our own hurt and destruction. Okay, as we get going to the study in the Old Testament, remember because of what Jesus has done, we have the blessings and not the curses of the Old Testament. Hallelujah. It will show us the heart of God in the nature of man. In Galatians 3.13. Hallelujah. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. King James says, everyone that is hung from a tree. So, the curse has been removed because Jesus bore that for us. You know, sometimes we go through things and we think, man, this is like a curse, you know. But sometimes we do things. We make choices. We make choices not to follow what God is leading us in. Or we do things that damage our body and then say, well, where was God? Well, God was sitting there saying, don't make this choice. So sometimes our choices, what 
the things that we go through are choices or because of our choices and we're either sowing, we're either reaping what we have sown. Sometimes I pray for a crop failure. <laughs> Sometimes because we are in a fallen world. Sometimes because I have opened a door that should not have been opened. <clears throat> okay. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So as we go through this, if you feel condemnation, no, that's not from God. If you feel, uh, if, if the Holy Spirit comes and, and convicts you, that's one thing. The Holy Spirit will never come in condemnation to you. Amen. Verse 2 to that says, Because though Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set us free from the curse of the law. Remember the old song we used to sing. There is therefore now no condemnation. Amen. To those in Christ. Amen. You know, I think that I'm going to spend a week just studying Romans 8. There is so much life in Romans 8. Romans 8, 35 through 39. You know, if you think that God doesn't love you, listen to this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardships or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I think he listed just about everything. Sometimes we walk through this stuff and we think, God, I just, I just don't sense your presence in the midst of this. And I understand that. I've done that. Just don't sense your presence because we're focused on this and not on him. You know, if if Ronnie came and stood up behind me and was going to hand me a hundred dollar bill, if I didn't look at him, I'd walk off and never get that. So we don't turn to Jesus whenever we're <laughs> whenever we're we're facing these things. But We've done verse 37. It says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. More than conquerors. These guys knew what conquerors were back in that day. They knew what it was like to be under a conqueror. But Paul's saying we are more than that. And then he says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if you ever get to the place where you think, I'm not sure God loves me, go to Romans 8 and say, Satan, you're a liar. You're a liar. I think he covered just about everything in there. 
All right. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 31.8. Now the children of Israel had finally come to the place where they were going to enter the promised land. And uh, Moses had died and Joshua were leading them. And Deuteronomy 31.8 said, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. You know, if we've got discouragement, I know there's people looking for jobs, people needing certain things, a lot of people going through a lot of stuff, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged because God is with you. Don't be afraid. Uh, He said he'll never leave you and he will never forsake you. Hallelujah. Sometimes, and I've shared this before, but sometimes we're going through something we think it's awful, the thing that we're going through. And then we look back at it years later and we see where we are then and we say, you know, if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't be where I am right now. And so what a blessing that was. Maybe, you know, maybe we lost a job because we had begun to love that job and we didn't God was saying, you know, I've got something else for you. And we were saying, I can't hear that, you know, for whatever reason. And so God says, well, I'll get you to where you're trusting me to get you to where I want you to be. So I'll take care of that for you. So know that he will never leave you or forsake you. Now, Deuteronomy 30. This is where I added Four verses. I guess that's according to Greg. Deuteronomy 30, 11. <laughs> okay. Now this is going to be the main scripture for the day. Children of Israel is getting ready to enter the promised land. He said, now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. So if God is talking to you today, God never changes. If God is telling you something today, it's not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? No. The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart, so you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. Remember the parallel we talked about. This is also our walk. Whenever we uh, receive Jesus, this is what God was saying to us. This is our walk. Okay. This day I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against 
you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live live, and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land. He swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So not everything, not every question that is before us is life and death. And I know that. But there are some questions that come, some choices we make that are life and death. God is our life. You know, we look sometimes at the children of Israel and say after all of what God took them through, how could they have been so disobedient? Well, I can look at me and say after all that God did for me, how can I be so disobedient so we have choices to make choices almost every day probably maybe every day to make that is life or death if we're making them out of the soul i'm telling you you're making a choice of death if you make it out of the soul if you make a choice because you hear this voice telling you that you're never going to have the victory and so you just choose to walk in it and you chose death. That's not what God is telling you. God is telling you that I've got, I've got the victory for you. Proverbs eighteen twenty one says, "The tongue has a power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit." Amen. Now we'll talk a little bit about faith a little later on. And so I can tell where my faith is by something about how I speak about it. Whether I'm believing God or I'm believing something else. Because if I trust God in this, then I will speak what God says. I had a dad that's very trustworthy. If dad said, you do that again... I'm going to whip your butt, then I, I could trust that to be true, you know. <laughs> but he was trustworthy if he told you he's going to give you $100 too, that he was trustworthy in that also. And so, uh, so is it with God, even more so with God. If God said, this is for you, this is for you, then I promise you this is for you. Uh, but, you know, sometimes we've got to stay the course on. You know, sometimes, you know, you look at Job and how long he walked through what Job walked, Job walked through what he walked through. But we've got to stay the course, you know. God, God, God is, is life and truth. I was thinking, and this is a, a small example of staying the course. Josie's got this quilter, and it weighs, I don't know, 150 pounds or so. It's big, and it's on this frame that computer quilter, she just does whatever she does, and it quilts the quilt. Well, it got out of time. 
And so he got hung up and it got out of time. And so that's ugly when that happens. You know, you, your, her needles look like hooks without barbs on them. They're coming down hitting whatever the bobbin, whatever thing the jig is. And, and all of that. So our choice was we send it to Ohio to be fixed or we can try to fix it. And I said, you know what? We can fix that thing, I bet you. It can't be that difficult, you know. <laughs> so it's got a shaft that comes out of the head of it, and it's got these things that fit on it. And so I read to see what those things were. And I said, I bet you we can do this. So we started about 10 o'clock in the morning. 8 o'clock that night, I said, man. <laughs> We may have made a mistake here, but, you know, we could always send it back. And then I thought, you know, we've almost got this. So we send it back, and it's going to be probably two months, and going to have to put it back in that box and all this kind of stuff, you know. So I told Josie, and Josie was frustrated with me. But I said, let's try in the morning when our minds are fresh. You know, sometimes that's what we've got to do. Whenever we got all this stuff running around in our mind, maybe we just need to wait till in the morning when everything is more fresh. So we got up in the morning, in 30 minutes we had it going. But you know what? We almost gave up. We almost gave up. So think about what you're believing God for. Don't give up. Don't give up. You may be right at the, at, at the uh, time of victory, and you give up. Okay, our life as believers are determined by our daily decision to choose to walk with God or not. We have the freedom to choose. No, God gave that to us. He gave us freedom to choose. Do we obey God or Satan or a so? And I think that I probably always know Who's making the offer? You know, we know right for wrong, right for wrong. We've got the Holy Spirit. We've got a conscience. And then sometimes we have made the same wrong decision for so long, it appears to be right. The deception. So God wants us to make the right decision to choose life. I've got a Believe it or not, I've got a story for you. When I was uh, sometime in elementary school, I came across a book. And I'm going to tell you age if you raise your hand when I ask you this question. How many people know who Glenn Cunningham was? Oh, come on. You old people know who he was. Okay, I'm the only one that knows who Glenn Cunningham was. He was probably known as, he was known as the greatest mile, miler ever. He ran the mile. He didn't win a gold medal, he ran a, won a silver, but there was a reason for that too. But I won't go into that in the, in the Olympics. But whenever he was seven years old, one of the jobs him and his brother had was they had a 
single room schoolhouse in Kansas, and they were to go in the wintertime and start the heater, and it was a coal heater. And so they went to start the heater, and he had as many brothers and sisters as I have, a bunch of them. And so they had come, they had come, they had come with them, and they said, "Oh, we'll stay outside while you go get that, get that going." And the door that they went into the schoolhouse could only open from the outside, not from the inside. So the fire marshal would have a problem with that these days. But they went to start the fire, and normally they would pour put some coal in there, pour some kerosene on it, and light it. Well, they had had a meeting the night before, and they had left a can of gasoline that would look just like the can of kerosene. And there was still some glowing embers in the bottom of it, and so his brother poured gasoline into the stove. And so they had a fire. And so his sister came running in, and they got him out, and his brother was burned over pretty much all of his body. And Glenn was burned from the waist down. And it's, ama it's amazing what adrenaline does for you, but they walked home from the, from the school. Anyway, and so uh, his brother Floyd lived for about three or four days, and he died. Singing praises to Jesus, he died. And so, like I said, Glenn was burned from the waist down. <clears throat> and so uh, the doctor had uh, had said uh, that they that he would probably have to amputate Glenn's legs. You know, sometimes we we do godly things and we don't even know we're doing godly things. But he heard it. He said, Mom, don't let him cut my legs off. He said, I'll walk again. Don't let him cut my legs off. And she said, he's not going to cut your legs off. And so they went through this deal, and he talks about, you know, didn't know how his mother could stand the awful smell. Because most of the muscles had been burned. And destroyed in his legs. And one of the friends, one of her friends came and she said, you might as well face it. Glenn's going to be an invalid the rest of his life. And he heard that. And his mother came in and he said, I'm not going to be an invalid. That lady's wrong. Thankfully, mom did something that, he, says, he said, thankfully, mom did something that I'll always be grateful for. And she kissed me and said, I know. But over and over again, he said, she's wrong, I will walk. She's wrong, I will walk. So all this happened about 1915 or so. Well, Christmas Eve 1917, Glenn gave his mother a present by taking his first steps without holding on to anything. Most of the time, he had to hold on to something. His legs were crooked. Neighbors and family members said he walked lopsided. But soon he proceeded to run, grabbing a milk cow or mule's tail, taking as much weight off his legs and running behind as the animals headed to water. He still couldn't straight out his, straighten out his right leg. Every step was like daggers, but he never quit trying. 
In time, Glenn discovered that it's less painful to run than to walk. When he was 12, which was about five years after he was burned, they were having a mile race in the community. Most of the guys were high school students, and he would have been in about the fifth or sixth grade. He entered it and whooped them all. He outran them all. Now, he went on to the University of Kansas, said all the, what was in the NCAA, I forget what it's called then, but said all the record for the mile relay. He didn't break the four-minute mile, but he got close. He was like a second away from breaking the four-minute mile. Went to the Olympics, won silver medal at the Olympics, and found out that whenever he was 12, he was playing baseball and got hit with a bat. He was playing catcher, I think it's a bat right across here, and he had all this infection and stuff that never was taken care of. They said, we don't know how he was running. But anyway, he chose not to believe the, 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 uh, the report of, of what the people were saying. But he has a favorite scripture. Proverbs 23, 7 says, So as far as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The real victory in this comes in the remainder of his life. He had a marriage that didn't work. He met this lady, and he was teaching school at the University of Kansas and, and coaching track, and she said, this isn't what God has for you. I'm going to start praying that you will walk in what God has for you. Well, he ended up marrying her. In March 10, 1988, as he was performing his chores, he passed away. He was 78 years old. He often said in life, I'd rather be dead than mediocre. <laughs> he wanted the best out of life. We want the best out of life. We want what God wants for us, the best out of life. He exemplified the need for winning, honestly aiming high, pursuing happiness, and never, ever quitting. Aim high. Aim high. God wants us to aim high. God's got something for us that we can't accomplish, but he wants to accomplish it in us. You know, if we could accomplish it, you know, it would be in our own strength. He wants to, us to see his strength in our life. Now, after he, after he married, I think his wife, his second wife's name was Ruth, he had been buying some land in Kansas. I believe it was in Kansas. And he, uh, he, it, it, and he, it was a ranch. And so he made it a ranch for, uh, for kids that now would be in the foster care deal. They said that is his most late lasting monu monument then and now is not the award or even the amazing story. The great tribute will continue to be over 9,000 children whose lives continue to show that when the race seems lost, when the odds are too overwhelming, and when the pain becomes too much, never, ever quit. Amen. So, if you're at a place in your life when the Seems like the race is lost when the odds are too overwhelming. 
the pain is too much, then don't quit. God's got something for you. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we live by faith, not by sight. What we see isn't important. It's what we know God says that's important. The choices that we make. Amen. Okay. Talk for just a little while, but just a few more minutes about faith. Sometimes I think uh, in the uh, in the Pentecostal ranks that we've got faith all messed up sometimes, and sometimes we use faith to beat each other over the head with. So you don't have enough of it. If you trusted God, you'd have enough of it. But the truth of the matter is, the Bible says God has given you the measure of faith. So whatever God's asking you to do, he's given you the, the measure of faith. It's just not easy to exercise sometimes. Hebrews 11.1, 1, which is the definition of faith, says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is substance. Substance is something that you can grab a hold of. It has substance. But faith is substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Amen? Hebrews 11, 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And that's what we've got to believe. So, who or what do we have faith in? You know, we all have faith in something. So who or what do you have faith in? You know, we don't see God. And so sometimes I think that's what makes it difficult for us because... We're exercising faith as a spiritual thing, but we want to be able to use our soul and see God. We look all around us. You know, you can walk outside at night and look up, and if you can believe there's not a God, then you just can't believe. You know, you see... Like we was talking about with my brothers, you know, the, the, even the scientists look at DNA. And so a lot of scientists were convinced, well, there is a God because of DNA. We see God all around us. You know, I've got a pretty new truck outside. And if I decided I'm just going to go and I'm going to drive the boundaries of the United States, I would I would have faith in that truck so that it could take me there and do all of that. And so 
we have faith in things, but I think my faith comes up a little bit short sometimes when it comes to God. Why? Because I know that truck. Maybe I don't know God well enough. Maybe my relationship with God, I don't know him well enough. But he has said that 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 uh, he wants to walk with us in the cool of the evening. That he wants that relationship. And sometimes we get things kind of confused. I'm talking about me. Sometimes I used to think that prayer was something that prayer isn't. You know, prayer is relationship. I mean, uh, how many people have seen War Room? Need to go watch War Room. Got a lady on there that she knows about relationship. She knows about relationship. And so we have choices to make. I want you to think about the things you're believing God for. Got choices to make. I choose to believe God and to trust Him. When something else comes that would take that away, I will take authority over it and tell it to go for my life because I want to believe God and to trust Him. I choose to have a better relationship with God, to be more dedicated to time with Him. You know, I can make time for almost anything else. I need to make time for God. I choose to make godly choices in my life from now on. I don't have to live in the gutter. I don't have to live in the things of the world. I choose to make godly choices, and I choose to diligently seek him. So, this was a message for me. And so, uh, uh, in the days ahead, I know that we've got people that's going through some tough times. And so I would encourage you to remember this. You know, re remember these words of encouragement that the Lord has for you and to diligently seek him and choose to follow after him. Thank you. Amen. Choose life. Choose life. I'm still thinking about the statement he said early on in the message. It says, back in those days they knew about conquerors. And then God says, no, you're more than that. You're more than that. We don't understand conquerors because we vote on everything, right? <laughs> conquerors, there's no vote. There's no vote. So when someone's, you know, when the enemy's against you, he don't have a vote. He can he doesn't he can raise as much funds as he wants, but there's no vote because we're part of the conquering one. So anyway, I appreciate Greg's insight. If you have a you know if you have a choice if you're making some choices in your life, you know allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. Um, let it be life. You know there's things that are that are life to us and things that are death. So Father, we just we just offer up our hearts freshly to you, Lord. I thank you for every single thing that. 
every single truth that you spoke to us this morning, God, and we choose to receive that, and we want to choose life today. God, we want to choose life in every single area of our lives, Lord, even though there's some places, maybe, Lord, where we, we have been making the wrong decisions, Lord, we can turn that around right now and say, I'm going to choose life. Thank you that you said it before us, God, that you're, Lord, it's not far off. Lord, that scripture is so powerful. It's, we don't have to figure it out. It's not like we have to go get somebody else. No, the word is very near. It's right. It's in us. And we thank you that you have placed your truth in us by the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, God. And we thank you that you are leading us into all truth. There is always a voice in us that's saying, choose life. Here's life. Here's where to go. And so we choose to follow you. Make us more sensitive, God. Let us be diligent, Lord. Let us be faithful in following you. And we thank you that it's by your grace and your strength that we'll live without condemnation, Lord, without fear, without hesitation, Lord. We're going to live in victory. So we declare victory over these lives today in Jesus' name that we are trusting in you, God. We are, we are living by faith and not by sight. Lord, we thank you that those things that we see... Lord, we refuse to let them be bigger than you, God. We refuse to let them be bigger than our King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus, the victorious one. We are living by faith and not by sight. We thank you, God, for letting us have that boldness, that strength, and that, that tenacity not to let go of you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. And thank you for this rain, Lord. Thank you for this rain. Amen. Hey, if you need, need prayer still, find somebody to come up here. Be blessed as you go, and have a great rest of the week. We'll see you on Wednesday.